will stand with me, please. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he, he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Hallelujah. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this day that reminds us of what you began to do on your final movement toward the cross and all of the beauty that surrounded you in that moment, Lord. And, and we just want to revel in that this morning and ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears, that we would hear. Ask you that you would soften our hearts, that we would receive, praying that you would remove distractions from our minds, Lord God, this morning. I know there's plenty of things that are going on in our lives, Lord God, but I pray that in these next few moments that we would be able to shut all of that down, shut all of that out, and that we would hear from you and that our faith would be built stronger in you, God, and that as a result of what we hear today, that we would go out as your servants, as your vessels, as your laborers, Lord, to minister in the harvest that is before us, God. We thank you for this calling and this privilege, and we pray, Lord God, this morning that you be glorified in this time as we're in your word, and we ask this all in Jesus' strong name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, you can raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you one. And so, 
This morning we are we are celebrating Palm Sunday, a special Sunday on the Christian calendar for those people that are followers of Jesus. They we we celebrate this as the beginning of what is known as Holy Week. And so in your outline there, you'll see timing is everything. Timing is everything. Music, dancing, driving, sales, you name it. Timing can be the difference between life changing for the good or for the bad. Come on now. Timing is everything, right? If you do something that's off timing, it, it, it messes stuff up. You mess people up, right? You just, you know, if you, if you got an invitation to a party and that invitation said six and you show up at five, you're part of the prep team, glory to God. You didn't show up for a party. You came to help get things ready, glory to God. And if that, and if that invitation said six and you show up at nine, guess what? You're part of the cleanup crew. Hallelujah. You didn't get to have fun. You get to do the work, right? And so timing is everything. Timing is good to be early and late. And well, don't be late, but stay late to clean. Amen. Glory to God. That's helpful. That's helpful. Don't be late to the party, but you can stay after to help us clean. And so ultimately, timing matters. Timing matters. And, and, and as I looked at this sermon, or as I looked at this passage of Scripture preparing this sermon, I, I started thinking about what happened in this, in this story here. And one of the most sobering realities, you have this in your outline there, one of the most sobering realities as we celebrate Palm Sunday is that if we didn't know the rest of the story we would think, along with everybody else who was in Jerusalem, that they knew who had come. If we didn't, if we didn't have the, the rest of the text, if we just had chapter 21, we would think everybody in Jerusalem knew the king had arrived. And yet, that's not the fact. That is not the truth. The truth is that they missed him. So this morning, what I want to talk about as we celebrate this Palm Sunday is don't miss him. Don't miss him. Don't, don't, don't miss his movement. And here's the thought that I have for you today. There are divine appointments we can miss if we are blinded by life. There are divine appointments that we can miss if we are blinded by life. And, and, and when, I, when I use the term blinded by life, I, I mean that you're so focused on what is right here in front of you, on what is going on right in this moment, that you miss the one who is trying to interrupt you in the midst of whatever is right here, right now, and you miss him. It is so easy for us to be so caught up, whether it's work, whether it's family situations, whether it's deadlines, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, right, that we, we can get so caught up in those moments that we miss the Lord, that we miss those divine appointments that he has with us because we're, we're good. You know, it's funny because when we go through hard things, when we go through difficult stuff, man, we are the most holy. We will not miss him. We will not miss. We listen. We will. They they call you. Could, they, we could call three a.m. prayer, and if you're going through something, you're there. Hallelujah, because you don't want to miss him. Three a.m. prayer on on whatever whatever day you want it to be. Let it be every day. And I'm going through something. I'm going to be there. Right. Your your devotional time. You don't miss that. You don't hit snooze. Glory to God. You're up. You're up. You're up. Hallelujah. Because you don't want to miss him. You don't, you don't want to miss the engagement with the king. You don't want to miss the one who has the answers. And yet, when life is, you know, good, right? Everything is okay. It's, it's easy to hit the snooze button. It's easy to say, I'll pray tomorrow. It's easy to say, well, I'll catch up on that Devo. It's, e it's, it's easy to do that stuff. 
But the thing is that we can get so caught up, we can get so overwhelmed with what's going on in our lives that we can miss him. We can miss what God is trying to do. So how is it that we ensure that we do not miss divine visitation? How do we do that? Hmm. First thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, don't miss, don't miss. The, undeniable. the undeniable. Don't miss the undeniable. Don't miss what is not, don't, don't miss what can't be denied, right? Start there, right? Start in that place. Matthew is writing to the, his readers. His readers were Jewish readers, and, and those were the, the, that was the audience to whom Matthew is writing. And so as Matthew is writing to this Jewish audience, he knows the importance of tying messianic prophecies to the actions of Jesus, as do all the other writers in the Gospels, they tie this Messianic prophecy. But Matthew in particular is tying this Messianic prophecy with the actions of Jesus. Why? Because this makes the Messiahship of Jesus undeniable. Because you, you could argue with Jesus not washing his hands, right, the way that they wanted you could, you could argue that Jesus and his disciples didn't fast the way that the Pharisees and the rest of the religious elite of that day, you know, you could, you could argue that. And, and you, you could say, well, well, man, this guy, you know, he, he, he hung out with sinners and he was around people that were unclean by the standards. You could argue all that kind of stuff about Jesus. But when it came back to the text of Scripture, you couldn't argue, man, this guy was born of a virgin. That was in the Bible. You couldn't argue. All the things that he did, those things were in the scripture. And so what does Matthew do? Matthew says, listen, you could have all kind of issues with Jesus and the way he did stuff, but what you cannot deny is what the word of God said about the Messiah that was to come. Guess what? He's fulfilling these prophecies. And so he's fulfilling Zechariah uh, chapter 9, verse 9, if you're taking notes. He's fulfilling that prophetic word there when he comes in. But what does Matthew do when he does that? When he brings the, the people back to the Old Testament in this time, when he brings them back to the prophets, what is he saying? He is saying that the word of God is the highest authority. Not your feelings about Jesus, not what you think about Jesus, not, not how you're feeling at the moment. Nope, nope, nope. The, the most important thing is that God's word is the highest authority in interpreting Jesus and looking at who Jesus is. So just to give a little bit of context to this story here, because again, we're not there and we don't really understand what's going on, but this is the Passover time. And so during Passover, there was uh, some rules in place, and everybody had to come to Jerusalem. If you were a Jew, you had to come to Jerusalem for this Passover feast. This was something that was on your calendar every year. We talked about this in Leviticus. The reason why we went through Leviticus, is, you know, so you know, is, is so that way when you, when you hear things, like I hope I'm praying, that when you read things in this, you're like, wait a second, we were in Leviticus, and this feast was there. Oh, I, I get it, right? So hopefully it helps you to connect the dots. But what happens is there's this Passover feast, one of the Sabbaths that the children of Israel are supposed to participate in. And so it's estimated there were around 2 million people in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem at that time. That's a lot of people. There was a lot of people that were present in Jerusalem, and, 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 and the, the groups of people that were there were the Jews who lived in Jerusalem, obviously, the ones who were coming in for the feast, the crowd from Galilee who had been following Jesus, because remember, Jesus was, his ministry was out of Galilee, and so the crowd from Galilee that was there that were following him, and the people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, that's a powerful and important reminder for us. The people saw the miracles, and they were following him because he had done some stuff. This is, But I want you to notice something that's a little bit different about this particular moment in Jesus' ministry. This is the first time that Jesus actually planned a public display of who he is. 
Notice every other time that Jesus is in a situation where he heals someone, what does he say? Don't tell anyone. Right? If you you read the Gospels, you will notice all the time Jesus was making sure that people didn't know who he was. Listen, I'm, I'm doing this in the name of the Lord. You need to know this. Don't tell anybody about it. People couldn't shut up. They kept talking. But nonetheless, we have this story here where we see that Jesus, he is there and he wants them. I mean, they are worshiping him. They are crying out to him, Hosanna, they're saying, Lord, save. He comes and he does this particular thing. Why is that? It's because he's on his final track to the cross. What Jesus is doing is he is on his way and he is, he is, he is getting, he is preparing for what? He's preparing for the Passover meal, the final Passover meal that he will have with his disciples. This is his last moment. And you know what? He, it's his time. He wants everybody to know, hey, I'm the one y'all been waiting for. And so now all of these people that have heard about Jesus, they are there, they are present, and they are crying out in worship unto him. The truth is that the people had joy. They were rejoicing because they saw this prophecy. They didn't even realize fully what was going on. But they saw this, 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 this person that had done all these miracles, that had done all these things. They saw him coming in on this, on, this, on this cult. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, they're crying out with joy, but Jesus has sorrow. They're crying out excited. Jesus has sorrow. Listen to Jesus' words that are recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. You can write these down. They're not going to um, come up here, but write, um, Luke 19, verse 41 to 44. Look what it says. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. As Jesus is on, the, is, is, on this, is on this donkey, as he is moving in toward the city, the Scripture says he wept over this city. And what were the words that were recorded in the Gospel of Luke? This is what Jesus says. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. They missed him. And because they missed him, because they were rejecting him, because they would not follow his voice in the, in the Old Testament, because they would not follow the scriptures the way that they should, they missed him. And he tells them, you are going to experience severe judgment. And I'm not happy about it. I'm sorrowful about it. And while some are over here seemingly proclaiming that I'm the king, I'm sorrowful because judgment is coming. This judgment came in AD 70, by the way, when, 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 when uh, all of Jerusalem was totally annihilated. But you know who didn't, miss, who didn't miss Jesus in this moment? You know who didn't miss him? The cult. The donkey, you know. You know, donkeys are important in the scriptures, right? <laughs> These dumb, stubborn animals, right? <laughs> They, they, they seem to get it, right? They're Balaam, he had a donkey, and Balaam was like, want to beat his donkey because the donkey saw the, the sword. He was about to get killed. The donkey is saving this dude's life, right? I mean, it's the one time in the scriptures you see the donkey talk. Yeah. 
Well, what do we have here? We have here in the text, we see another donkey, a baby donkey, a young donkey. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know if you, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't, you know, I have my dog, right? So I, I, don't, I don't necessarily try to get on the dog because I'm a little big, right? But children try to mount dogs, right? You ever watch a kid try to mount a dog? You ever seen that? What happens? What does a dog do? The dog scoots, right? Like, get off me. Like, what's wrong with you? What do, you, what do you think happens with a donkey when someone, they've never been ridden before, someone gets on them? They're going to scoot. They're not going to move forward. Well, what did this donkey do? See, because the king of kings sat on him. The one who has control of everything sat on him. And though he had not been broken in, though he'd never done this before, something, there was some dominion that was present that caused this donkey Church, may we be like the donkey. Not stubborn. Not self-willed. May we be submissive like the donkey was. May we be submissive to the word of God. May we be submissive to the one who has all authority. May we be submissive to the one who gives us direction, who gives us our marching orders. May we be submissive to the one. Listen, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't want to miss him. But when I want to do things my way, when I want to do the things the way that I want to do them, it's easy for me to miss him. But may we be like the donkey. See, the only way that that's going to happen, though, is when we are allowing the scriptures to be the highest authority in our lives. Is it not true? If we're not in God's word, right, how do we not miss him, right? I said, do not, don't miss the undeniable. You know what is undeniable? You can argue with me politics. You may be wrong. Hallelujah. You can argue with me. We can have some good conversations about that. You can, you can talk to me about, you know, don't talk to me too much about, you know, a certain, certain things. But anyway, but, but listen, you, you, you can argue with me about whatever you want to argue. We can argue about what's the best pizza, glory to God. <laughs> and you, you may be right, I don't know, I, you know, on that one. But you know what? We can't argue about the book. So you can question anything. You can question whatever you want. You can question anyone, anything you want. And, and listen, you can also question God's word. I encourage you, investigate the text. I, God is not worried about you having questions about his word. Because his word is true. His word has been proven. Listen, they've been trying to disprove this, this thing for a long time now. If they were going to disprove it, they would have done it already. I mean, this, this is just factual, right? I mean, there's some pretty smart people, at least they think so, right, on this planet. They have some knowledge. They have some ability to study stuff. And guess what? They have not been able to refute the book. They haven't because it's truth. It's God's word. It's inspired. And so listen, what is important for us is that we don't miss the undeniable. What is undeniable is God's word. Be in God's word. Daily be in God. Application point, right? Because I know y'all need application. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How do we apply the, what, what Bishop is saying? He's not just giving a bunch of information. Be in the word of God. Be a consumer of the scriptures. Be one who is in God's word daily. Be one who is re re rehearsing God's word, who is meditating on God's word, who is praying God's word. Be someone who is submitted to the word of God. Be like that donkey.
Don't buck. <laughs> Take your marching orders from the king. Let him sit on the throne of your heart. You do that by submitting and surrendering to his word. The second thing that we must do to make sure that we are not missing him, say this with me, say, don't miss, don't miss. the person of Jesus, person of Jesus. Over, an over an attribute of Jesus. Don't miss the person of Jesus over an attribute of Jesus. See, when, when, we, when we think about people, right, in general, we, we usually don't, don't see people in their, in their fullness, right? Typically, the way that we look at people <laughs> is we, we see them that they're good, but especially if we've had some experiences in life, we're waiting to see the bad. And then once we see the bad, that's it, they're labeled. We may not tell them. Come on now. Y'all are quiet up in here. That's what we do, right? Oh, no, they're quiet because they feel that. They know it's true. There's no question. They don't want to incriminate themselves, right? We don't want to do that, right? Because hold on a second. I'm not. I, no, no. I don't. Oh, yes, you do. We all do. Every one of us does that, right? Someone, someone, someone breaks your heart. Someone does something wrong. Someone lets you down. Guess what? That's, that's who that person is. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a one-time reaction, or that wasn't a situation. No, 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 that, that's them. That's the real them. Okay. We miss, we, we, but, but we miss the beauty of people when we have a mindset like that. We miss the beauty of who people are when we have a mentality like that. We walk around with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with things in our hearts toward folks because of what? Because of one, two, three. I, I don't know. You know I mean, listen, I know, I know that I've failed people multiple times, praise the Lord. I've been married. I'm going to be celebrating 25 years. You know how many times I've let my wife down? Come on now. I can assure you it happens often. Thank God for his mercy and grace. It's not an excuse to just be a jerk. It's not an excuse to just let people down. But the fact of the matter is that that's how we look at people. And with Jesus, the same scenarios can happen. Look at verse 9 with me really quickly. Verse 9 says, Then the multitude who went before... And those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. That's an attribute of who Jesus is. The Messiah, the king that was going to continue that Davidic throne, the Davidic dynasty that David was promised that there would always be someone from his bloodline on the throne. That's what, that, that, that's what this title is about, son of David. It is God communicating. It, it is God revealing who, who, who he is. The people are acknowledging that that's who it is. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Him who comes in the authority and the reign of God Almighty. Hosanna in the highest. Again, that word Hosanna means what? Save now. Save us. They were crying out for salvation. For three years now, they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've heard his message. They've accepted, it seems, that he is the king. He is the son of David. He is the one that is going to come and obliterate the Roman Empire. That's who Jesus is. And so they worship him that way. The text continues in verse 10. It says, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. That's pretty intense. Saying, who is this? Who is this? People, remember, everybody's coming to visit, right? There's people who are visiting from other places. They've been around. They, they, they don't know who Jesus is. They're not part of the group of Galilee. They're not part of the people who saw the resurrection of Lazarus. They're not part of the people who lived in Jerusalem at that time. They're, who is this? 
They're asking questions. They're seeing, they're seeing, all, they're seeing this, this, this king being paraded. He's on, these, he, he's on this donkey, and then they have these, these palm branches in their clothing are being thrown out before him as they would do for a king. Who is this? Look at their response, though. So the multitude said, this is Jesus. That sounds good, right? But look at the next words. The prophet from Galilee. Time out. Is, that who, is, is Jesus just a prophet? Is, is that all he is? Just a prophet? So what does that tell me? That tells me they were hopeful. Hosanna. Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, glory to God. They were hopeful. This is the, maybe this is the king. We're not sure. But yeah, he prof, he, he's a prophet. He's a powerful man. They missed Jesus, the person of Jesus over one attribute of Jesus. They missed him in his fullness. Jesus' entry into the city, the praise surrounding his entrance, had the Pharisees upset. They were upset. You're going to see in a moment as we look at the rest of the text. The Pharisees, it says that they were indignant in verse 15. They were, they were angry at what they were seeing. They were bothered. They were missing it. They were missing it. They were upset about what was going on. The city was literally, when it says the city was moved, it was literally shaken. People were, people were, were, were like, who is this? Because remember, we're here for Passover. All the Jews are there. They, they've been in exile for so long. They're under Roman dominion. They're waiting for this Messiah to come and, 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 and totally overturn the Roman Empire. They're hopeful, but they didn't know who he was. And, so, and it seemed like everybody was on this full, they, they were in a full-on celebrate the king mode. And yet, and yet, their question and their answer means that they didn't realize who had really entered Jerusalem. They didn't realize who had really entered in. Some thought he was simply a prophet, but he was much more than that. Here's the problem with this. The problem is that when we minimize Jesus to one attribute of who he is, what we end up doing is we end up creating a lesser him than who he really is. So when we minimize Jesus to simply being this loving, gracious God, what do we do? We limit him to being just loving and gracious where is his power? Where is his wrath? Where is his might? Where is his holiness? When we only see him as holy and righteous, where is his love? Where is his grace? Where is his mercy? You see, we have to, what has to happen to us is we have to become overwhelmed by who he is. We have to become overwhelmed by the reality of the fullness of who Christ is. Why, why does this matter? I'm going to tell you why this matters. Because what ends up happening is when we have this lower version of Jesus, even though we read about him in the scriptures, what happens is when he doesn't show up like you hope, when he doesn't move in accordance to how you pray, or even when he doesn't move like you expect, you know what will happen? What will happen is you will be dismayed. You will be disappointed. And the potential of your faith being ship shipwrecked is real. See, so we can't have that because the result of this was what? Because Jesus didn't come in, he didn't, he, he didn't overturn the Roman Empire, he didn't call down legions of angels from heaven. Because he didn't do that in just a few short days, the majority of these people are going to cry out, crucify him. Because what? Because he didn't show up how they wanted him to. 
Because he didn't show up the way that they expected him to. Because he didn't show up how they, they, listen, they wanted this Jesus, this king, to enter the atmosphere, and he didn't come the way that they wanted. They, They could understand his kingly rule and reign, but they could not understand his suffering servant. They couldn't get that. And so he goes to this week, and, and again, I just I want to pause for a moment and encourage you. If you have not signed up for our Seder meal, which is on Thursday, if you have not made plans to be here for the Tenebrae service on Friday, I encourage you to change that up. This is a week, uh, we, we want to walk through a rhythm this week. We want, to, we want to think about the things that Jesus did. These are moments that we can pause and we can really think about what he went through that week. And then next Sunday when we gather together for the resurrection, it'll mean a little bit more to you. Hallelujah. It's important for us, though, that we see what Jesus went through, that we don't just get caught up in just one attribute of who he is. The third thing, if you don't want to miss him, say this with me. Don't miss Jesus due to tradition. Don't miss Jesus due to tradition. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. I want you to notice this is the second time that Jesus did this. I believe the Gospel of John records the first time. That's in the beginning of his ministry. He goes into the temple. He does almost the same exact thing. He flips the tables over, and he's like, man, you guys have made my dad's house a den of thieves. It is supposed to be a house of prayer. And so if, if, we don't, if, we're not, if we don't know what the, what the design of the temple was, there are different courts within the temple in Jerusalem at this time. And there is this outer court that is called the Gentile court. And for some reason, they decided that they were going to set up these tables in this Gentile court. And so what that meant was people who were not part of Israel, they weren't going to just go past that, right? They weren't going to be able to access the, the presence of God the way they were supposed to be able to do that. Because what? Because they got stopped by some people, which it started off with a good thing, right? It became a tradition. What they knew is this, is that if you're traveling, right, so if you're traveling from a long distance, it's easier for you not to bring animals with you to sacrifice, It's easier for the people to come and do what? Purchase right there, and then we'll make the sacrifice. Aren't you grateful you don't have to bring sacrifices to church? That doesn't cost you, right? You don't got to come and bring money so that way you can buy a bird so you can put it on the altar, right? You just got to come ready to sing, right? You got to come ready to worship. You got to come ready to honor the king, right? That's it. But here's the thing. That was a good intention, was it not? It sounds good to me. Like, hey, man, we're trying to serve you, right? You know, you know, you guys are coming from like 20, 30 miles away, and it's not like you just jumped in a car and drove here, right? See, I, th- I think we miss all of this stuff, right? Like, when we think about the Bible, like, we don't realize that this isn't like today. Like, it was just you went to the corner market. No, 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 you were going for miles. You were, you were walking. Your homework for the week. I know you're waiting for homework. I know you were like, where's the homework at? It's coming. The words that were sung here, the Hosanna that was sung there, is part of what is called the great Hallel, the great praise that Israel did. Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. So here's, my, here's, here's your homework. This is what I encourage you to do. Every day, take one day this week and just read one of those Psalms. 
Let's read one of those psalms, starting in Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Those what the, why do those psalms matter? Because those were, the, they're called the songs of ascent. If you read your Bible, it'll say that on the top of them. What does all that mean? What it means is this. As they were ascending to Jerusalem, they were singing or they were, they, they were, they were communicating these psalms on their way. They were being reminded of where they were going. They were longing for the presence of God. They were longing for the courts of their God. What were they? They were walking in praise and worship. And they were, they were moving towards there. And you know what? There's a few psalms there. So you know why? Because some of these people come from long distances. They were praising the one who they were going to do what? To offer their sacrifices to. And so everything started out with a good intention, right? Hey, you know what? We want to help these people out. We don't want them to have to come and drag all their stuff from wherever they're coming. They can leave their animals there. They can bring some money. They can buy it. But then, you know, what happens? It starts off with a good idea, and then the tradition gets corrupted. All of a sudden, we're extorting people. We're charging people double what things are. Well, they're coming from a long way. You know how they do that, you know? Uh-huh. The threat of a hurricane comes, and all of a sudden, you know, things that were this much are all, all of a sudden this much, right? Why? And so the same thing happened over there. Nothing new under the sun, right? People are still greedy. Hello. That's what it was. It's just the greed in the heart of man. And so do not miss Jesus due to tradition. One of the greatest blinders, one of the greatest blinders upon the people of Israel at that time was the product of tradition. Because tradition was being called equal with Scripture. Hear me when I say that. Don't miss Jesus because of your tradition. Because it's easy for us to say, well, man, that's not the way we did it. Okay, that's fine. That's not the way. Why, why, why is that not the way that it should be done? Because what? Because your tradition said so? My tradition said that we have to do it this way, so we have to do it that way. Wait, wait, wait a second. My tradition doesn't trump the Scriptures. The scriptures trump all tradition. That's what should be happening. But for them, it wasn't happening that way. And so they had these traditions. And here's, here's the ugly part. Their traditions allowed the temple to become a den of thieves. Check this out. A house of robbery rather than a house of healing. Did you hear that? A house of robbery rather than a house of healing. Well, what do you mean about that? Well, let's keep reading here. It says this. He overturned these temples. He says in verse 10, in verse 13, he says, And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Look at verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So Jesus comes in there. He overturns their traditions that have become corrupted. He overturns them. And guess what happens? As a result, those who are blind, those who are lame, they enter into the temple and they're healed. You think our traditions might get in the way of Jesus healing people? I don't know. You think our way of seeing things might get in the way of God moving in a greater way in people's lives? Because, I mean, we should look at this and say, wait a second, we want to see Jesus moving in this way. We want to see Jesus healing the, those who are sick. We want to see Jesus restoring people's lives, restoring people's hope. Because what was happening is the people didn't have hope. They couldn't access. They couldn't get in. Look at verse 15. It says, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, they bowed and worshiped. Notice what the text says. The text says, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, they joined the children. 
in declaring Hosanna. That, that, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says they saw these wonderful things. They saw the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, and they were indignant. They were like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That right here, I can't even get with that. I, I, don't, I don't even understand that. Like, I could not like somebody, but if I see something miraculous happening through them, I'm going to be like, I don't like them, but I can't deny that. <laughs> the irony here is what? Is that when Jesus overturned the tables, although the Pharisees and all these other people were blind and they, 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 they couldn't see, guess who was healed? The blind and the lame. Here's what's crazy. It's clear. Wonderful things were happening. And you know what was happening in their hearts? Anger and envy was happening in their hearts because of their traditions. Because they were going to lose. Because guess what? Jesus flipped over money tables. You know what that meant? They were losing money right now. All the time they had to go and set stuff back up because they probably went and did it immediately because they're a bunch of rebels, right? They're losing money. They're losing accolades. Because of what? Because Jesus comes in, overturns all of that, and at the same exact moment, they're deciding what? We are going to kill this guy. This guy needs to die. Why is this? It was because of their constant rejection of Jesus. Because of their constant rejection, they became blind and deaf. Not just rejection of Jesus, but rejection of, of the God of Isaiah, which is Jesus' father in heaven, who is what? All the time he is reaching out, extending his hands of love and mercy to a rebellious and obstinate people. Read the text. It, was, it, was, it wasn't just because of that moment, because of those three years, they continued to reject this Savior and this Lord, and they remained in their deafness. You know who didn't miss Jesus? The children. The kids didn't miss him. <laughs> Everyone else might have been missing him. The Pharisees were missing him. But the, it says the children. The children were there, and they were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. They didn't miss him. They were crying out. They were crying out. So you know what? To me, again, application point, how, why didn't they miss him? Their humility? Their honesty and their openness to see the things that they were caused them to praise the king, caused them to praise the Messiah. So church, you know what needs to happen to us? We need to become like these children. We need to become humble in our hearts. We need to, we need to become submissive in our hearts. We need to become yielded and open in our hearts. That's what needs to happen to us. And so here's my closing question for you. Are you missing Jesus in your life? Are you missing Jesus in your life. See, here's the thing that, that happened. What the people failed to understand about Jesus was this, is that Jesus, as, as the king, they, they didn't understand that he came to defeat a much greater enemy than Rome. See, they were so concerned with Rome right in front of them. 
They were so concerned with, with Rome that would not get out of their face. They were so concerned about the problem that they felt was the greatest that was right in front of them. And they failed to realize that the king that was coming, he came to deal with an enemy that knew no national boundaries. He respected no political or sectarian differences. He came to deal with an enemy whose defeat would have been greater than their life even now. You know what Jesus came to defeat that they didn't realize? He came to defeat Satan. He came to defeat sin. He came to defeat death. Rome. Get Rome out of our face. Get Rome off of our backs. Hey, I want to deal with Satan. Get Rome off of our backs. Hey, I want to deal with sin. Get Rome off of our backs. I want to deal with death. Get Rome off of our backs. No, crucify him. The thing is, Jesus didn't show up in their life the way that they wanted. And I wonder, is he showing up in your life the way that you want? Are you missing him because he's not showing up how you want? I hope you're not. Are you missing him in your life because he's not moving the way that you think he should be moving? Because he's not moving according to a promise that you read in God's word. By the way, I told you guys last week, right, when I went through the whole end of Leviticus and we talked about all the, all the promises to Israel. You know how many promises there are in the New Testament for believers? There are over 250 promises for believers in the New Testament. Do you know what that means? That means you don't got to go to the Old Testament to find your promises to stand on. You can go right to the New Testament. You know what I hate to tell you? What I hate to tell you is that some of those promises are like promises like, you know, you're going to be blessed if you're persecuted. Hallelujah. Hmm. See, we, we have to know that he came to defeat more than just what's right in front of us. And so I hope that you are not missing him. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are, please. And you know if you're, if you're missing him in your life, Hallelujah. I'm going to invite our leaders to come forward. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And listen, if you're in this place and you're saying, man, I know that I'm missing him. I know that I'm more focused on what's right in front of me. And I'm missing his engagement with me. I'm missing what he wants to do in my life. And, you know, it, it may not be going the way that you want it to go, but he wants to encounter you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you strength. And so as we worship here for the next few moments, I'm going to, I just open up this altar to you. If you say in your heart, you're saying, Lord, I need prayer. I need someone to touch and agree with me for my life. I don't want to miss Jesus anymore. God spoke to you in some kind of way in this, in, in this day. Maybe you're sick in your body and you, and, you, and you want to encounter the Lord and you believe that he's a healer and you need someone to pray for you. We just want to open up this opportunity for you to encounter the Lord in this time. And so I will pray and then if you want to come forward and have them pray while we worship, you can do that. Father, I come before your presence and I humble my heart before you, Lord. And God, I know that as I went through this sermon myself, Lord God, and I thought about how I've missed you on so many moments and so many occasions, but I just humble my heart before your presence. Lord, I know that I don't want to miss you. 
I don't want to be blinded by life. I don't want to be blinded by circumstance. I don't want to be blinded by what's right in front of me and miss the one who is right there with me. And so I pray, Lord God, for those who are online who can't come forward for prayer. Lord God, I lift them before you in this moment. For them that need prayer, that that say, Lord, I don't want to miss you anymore. Holy Spirit, may you grip them, may you love them, may you fill them in this moment. Lord God, if they need repentance, give them repentance. Lord God, if they need renewed faith, give them renewed faith. Lord God, if they need renewed strength, give them renewed strength, Lord God. If they need renewed perspective, renew their perspective. For those that are in this room in this moment, Lord God, remove every barrier to us missing you, God. Remove every barrier to us missing you, Lord God. Help us not to have things in the way. Whatever's there, God, we we lay it before you in this moment. Lord, we don't want to miss you. We don't want to miss you, God. Come on, worship the Lord. He's worthy of praise and glory. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Yes, Lord. 
Alpha and Omega, our God, the risen Savior. Oh, be still and behold Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, you can give God a hand of praise. He's worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all honor. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Hallelujah to the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah to the one who saves. Hallelujah to the one who delivers. Hallelujah to Hallelujah to the Lamb, hallelujah, 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 Jesus.